Welcome to the Monthly Movie Dispatch, the movie review show from Friends You Can Trust. Every week, we broadcast and review a new film, talk about some film news, and recommend what to watch. We've been talking, critiquing, and gushing over movies since high school, and we aim to bring you honest conversation on relevant cinema. Uh, I'm Brandon Bowlby, and I have with me Sean Bowlby. Hi. Hello. And we're actually once again in the uh, same apartment, so... Hello. Hello. And we've done this probably twice a year, biannual event. Uh, so today we're going to be reviewing the new Steven Soderbergh film, No Sudden Moves, which we actually watched together actually last night. No Sudden Move. Singular? I believe, yeah. No, no plural? No Sudden Move. All right, well, you can fact check that for us. Right. Right. Uh, awkward. Okay. So, No Sudden Moves, the new Steven Soderbergh no film. Um, pretty excited about this. I've been I've been getting more and more into checking out Steven Soderbergh films as they come out very frequently now. He's had an awesome history of films, and he's kind of just always it has became a director just to look out for and like one of those go to yearly or every other year comfort directors to see what they're up to. Um, he started out in the early 90s kind of in a very like up-and-coming um, indie film scene um, with a lot of his smaller movies he came out with and some of those honestly I've kind of uh, skipped or missed having Nick on this episode probably would have been great because I know he's gone back to o- older Soderbergh but yeah things like uh, I think the f- sex his lies big, and videotapes yeah, a lot of people talk about breakout that. one and then um, yeah yeah for sure and he kind of had like very small beginnings but became big in the early 2000s with Aaron Brockovich and the you know Academy Award nomination Traffic but then Ocean's Eleven really bringing like that genre film of a heist movie into popular culture Mm -hmm. um, ridiculous cast and made it fun and exciting Um, reinvigorated the genre reinvigorated it for sure Um, recently uh He's kind of gone back into, I feel like, kind of an indie scene, releasing movies. You know, he worked with HBO and behind the Candelabra, which Candelabra? I which I Candelabra, which I did see, um, working with Netflix, Bleecker Street, doing these much smaller films again, um, doing quirky things like shooting several films in a row just on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe it's a, yeah, I feel like he's been coming out with movies more frequently now than ever. Um, coming out yeah. with High Flying Bird and The Laundromat all in the same year. A couple TV series. Yeah. Um, Mosaic and The Nick. It's weird to kind of see him come full circle and just releasing these small, intimate indies uh, whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. And he's so good at filmmaking it, like, he can just do it. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, kind of becoming a um, a uh, New York City, Man- Manhattan, uh, Woody <laughs> Allen of types, uh, I feel like, honestly. And the amount of releases he's done. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys who, who can just, and very similar to Woody Allen as well, um, he's just, he does these movies for fairly low budget, um, low budgets, and he can, he never like loses money, so it's a pretty safe bet mm-hmm. uh, to, to just give him, I don't know, this movie may have had a slightly bigger budget, but, you know, it's it's not a big risk to take to, to do a, to finance a Steven Soderbergh movie so he's able to just kind of keep doing them until he you know burns out or if if he ever kind of runs out of ideas I don't know yeah and I would say his movies are um 
like Woody Allen, they're with his frequency, they're hit or miss. But honestly, the misses are still at least interesting mm-hmm, and still unique enough to watch and experience and to see what he's up to. Um, so that's kind of my recap on Steven Sodenberg, and I know we always have our eyes out for him. Uh, I do want to like let's mention some of our three favorite Soderbergh films. See how mm-hmm. much we overlap, or if we have any unique ones in here. Um, do you want to start, Sean? What did you pick out? Sure. Here? I guess like I, I was going to. So it's. I've seen a, a lot of his movies um, and, and definitely most of his big ones, but I haven't really seen any of his biggest movies since basically they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of more going to give a th- list of three that I want to revisit or rewatch or um, one that I haven't actually seen yet. So the one I haven't actually seen yet is Contagion. You haven't? I haven't okay. seen Contagion yet. And, you know, yep. obviously from the pandemic, everyone, everyone, it, it's kind of been brought to everyone's attention again. Um, and so I really need to see that one. Um, number two is Aaron Brockovich. I actually, that one left the biggest impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw it, I was pretty young. When did that come out? Um, 2000. So yeah, I probably saw that when I was, I don't know, 13, 14 years old, probably Same. like 12, 13. I remember watching it. And, uh, yeah, I really want to rewatch it, and like it, I remember really liking it. It was super fun, really funny, and um, yeah. So I really want to rewatch that one, and then uh, I'd like to revisit the Oceans trilogy because I've only seen the first one. Um, I remember liking that one a lot too, and I, I've heard good things about at least Oceans Twelve. I remember, um, I remember liking them a lot, but maybe dismissing them as like too popular back in high school yeah when honestly now maybe they're just like so fun and good that i'll just like they'll be standouts in yeah. his career if i rewatch yeah, that you weren't even in high school when it came out you, yeah but you the, probably sequels, saw the sequels and stuff yeah definitely that's true for sure yeah so my my three i didn't do the um ones i want to revisit but my three honestly and there are some older ones i've missed like i said yeah. before but uh logan lucky Hmm. Um, more recently, wow. um, I had a blast with that film. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, maybe Ocean's Eleven is better if I was to rewatch it or more consistent. But I thought Logan Lucky was really unique um, while still being a super genre uh, film like that. But yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. Um, obviously, Traffic. Um, that's like peak classic Soderbergh. Um, maybe what he's most critically acclaimed and known yeah, for. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that one still hold strong in my head i remember seeing that in high school um especially after all the academy war buzz it got and then very recently very recently from what i saw it uh contagion mm-hmm. it is an incredible movie um not only did it apply very much to last year and that's why everyone went to see it but i was blown away with just like how fucking good it was in general like i should have saw it when it came out because it is easily one of his best movies Mm -hmm. and it's pretty perfect all the way through um and it's kind of sad that it didn't get more acclaim when it did come out because i don't know 2011 i was watching a shit ton of movies and i missed it no one no one cared about pandemics in 2011 but it's like really well done so yeah excited for you to go watch that yeah definitely Um, all right i actually i mean I just kind of clicked on Contagion. Um, I want to point out how incredible he is at casting his movies. Mm-hmm. You know, just like looking over his list. Um, yeah. You know, Ocean obviously Ocean's Eleven, 
uh, Twelve and Thir- the Ocean's Trilogy. Uh, he's has such an incredible cast. He's one of those directors that must make friends with everybody because mm-hmm. everyone he works with is huge and always wants to come back for more. Yeah, definitely. And so he must just have like the best on set relationships and rapport with his cast because mm-hmm. um, he's been working with people. I mean, or others like that, like. Um, Quentin Tarantino he just has these reoccurring people that have sticked with him for decades mm-hmm. um, actually when doing some research about um, him in this film I noticed even on his Wikipedia he has a big reoccurring cast like oh, graph that people have marked out about like yeah. all the actors that appeared as films multiple times and mm-hmm. like checking off how many yeah. um, so it, he has enough reoccurring uh, friends in the industry to at least have Wikipedia notice it and make a huge graph mm-hmm. out of it Definitely. That's pretty cool. Um, so, and moving on to No Sudden Moves, his newest film, uh, which is actually streaming on HBO Max. You can watch it there anytime. It's also in theaters. And in oh, theaters. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Is it in theaters? We don't know. I'm mixing movies. Fact check. I don't, think, I don't think it's in theaters. Never mind. It's not in theaters. Okay. Maybe um, it's in some theaters. HBO Max. Who knows? No Sudden Moves stacked cast. Mm-hmm. And right from the get-go, actually, I rarely like look at the opening credits names, but once I saw the first few, I just decided mm-hmm. to read all of them, and every single name yeah. was someone you knew or have heard of mm-hmm. um, and recognized. It was it was kind of crazy as they went through that uh, intro. Um, but let me do synopsis, uh, directed by Steven Sodenberg. Um, plot description: uh, A group of criminals is brought together under mysterious circumstances and have to work together to uncover what's really going on with their simple job when their simple job goes completely sideways. Um, the cast for this film, like most, is pretty amazing. Yeah. We got Don Cheadle, Nicho Del Toro, um, John Hamm, uh, a lot, Brendan Fraser. A yeah, ton David, of other people. David Harbour uh, was in it, who we, we just uh, did um, Black Widow last week, and he was using Black Widow as mm-hmm. father. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Um, Amy Smets, which uh, I worked on a movie with her way back in the day. Nice. Um, I think we both worked on that movie for free called uh, uh, the, uh, at the Off Hours. Kieran uh, Culkin. Which is good. He's yeah. in Billions. He's in. Yeah. I, I like. I like his vibe and mm-hmm. a lot of things he shows up in. Yeah. Brandon Frejanasance. Brandon. Brandon is there a Brandon Frejanasance about to happen? He had. He had a good presence to him. Yeah. And I hope to see him more. Yeah, um, definitely. It's, it's cool to see him come cool. back. Yep. So, uh, I I liked this movie. Um, I thought with with Sodenberg's kind of um, recent like five movies he's pumped out multiple per year. I think this was maybe my favorite he's came out with um maybe it's just what the story's focusing on like a really good crime drama Mm -hmm. um which is easy to get sucked into but um i quite was on board with this whole ride and this whole thriller um following the money following the crime uh in detroit Mm -hmm. and yeah I i think this was one of his best movies in several years yeah, I mean, I haven't seen too many movies uh, of his in, in the recent uh, past. I think the last one I saw was Logan Lucky, which actually was only in 2017. Yeah, not so. too long ago. Um, but, yeah, I, I, uh, I totally agree. I really enjoyed it. I think it had especially a really strong opening. Um, you know, and right off the bat, the characters are so fun to hang out with and so fun to just listen, listen to the way they talk to each other and the way they hang out. Um, just really great chemistry, really great 
not you know nothing particularly special about the performances but it's just you can tell that like these people are just such good good actors that mm-hmm. they bring a natural um likability to the um to the movie yeah um so yeah no i totally agree i think um the movie in in like classic crime drama way starts out like slow intimate Mm-hmm. Um, a few long conversations, and you're kind of wondering where this movie's going, yeah, or the simple job, yeah, what they're who they're setting up, mm-hmm. and like, it, and it doesn't last too long. Um, but I was wondering what was what was coming next in the Sunberg film, like when was it going to pick up, so to say, mm-hmm. and and you, I mean, you quickly get to this this like house scene. Um, that goes on for a good amount of time mm-hmm. the for kind of the first big job that they do and once that hit the, I think the the pace mm-hmm. and obviously the storyline gets moving and just every like the gears start turning um, for the script and right then I was like I was kind of fully on board mm-hmm. with everything that came after yeah there's just a and there's a ton of mystery surrounding that opening too like everything is you're it, right off the bat you're questioning pretty much everything mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a it's a job that's too good to be true for how simple it is. You don't know what they're after. It's kind of a no uh, ask no questions type job. There isn't um, too much at like. There's obviously guns involved, but mm-hmm. once you figure out what they're actually doing, you're like, all right, no one's really yeah. gonna get harmed. They're just like, it's gonna be fine. Like, yeah. Um, and even yeah, even the family in the house kind of realize that. Mm-hmm. And you you use the word that it really picks up the pace, but it's almost um, I think it ratchets up like some some tension. But it's it's kind of weird where it's everything's kind of downplayed. Everyone's very calm. Um, everyone speaks very softly, and um, and I really do feel like he, in an interesting way, maybe counterintuitively, mm-hmm. really lets scenes breathe and lets them play out in subtle ways, and lets that kind of. Uh, move the story forward and and, and ratchet up the tension. It's almost like a, a compressed spring. I, it kind of felt like where it's just like very, or like a, you know a stretching rubber band where it's not, it's not like fast moving or or it's you know not snappy or anything really. Yes, but it's yeah, like not snappy. That, that tension you feel could just release at any moment. And I felt that that was kind of part of this movie's like overall style was like thing like for if someone was going to shoot a gun or someone was going to die it would kind of happen like in between cuts Mm -hmm. and the the movie had like a slow quirkiness and not any like intense fast things happening throughout Mm -hmm. it yeah um i don't know if that was too it's like slight detriment um or i mean it's obviously intentional but the the movie and a lot of times it could have gotten crazy and intense, kind of played like a lighter tone. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Think, even thinking about like when the later on in the movie when he's in um, when he's in the house, like punching the guy in the face, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. like, "Here's the next punch coming." And yeah. Like, it's kind of like it's this. Br- I could love be a, my job. This is how much. Th- this is how important this is to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not hilarious, but obviously the scene could be played totally different. It could yeah. be dark and intense and kind of fucked up. Yeah. Um. And even what happens with one of the wives later, but it's like, it's downplayed. Things happen like off screen, mm-hmm. and he's it's very kind of calm funny and collected. But, 
and you yeah. know he's not out of control with rage or you know whatever it's kind of goofy and funny but not like hilarious either yeah so it is it is an interesting style um mm-hmm. that works at a lot of points but maybe i wish it did like rack up the like notch to a thriller level of 10 or 11 at a few moments just to, like really get my heart going um yeah, I uh, I kind of I, I kind of agree. Um, I think um, you almost expect a movie, even like this type of crime drama type movie, to really ratchet up uh, as it or, or ramp up the the pacing or the the intensity as it builds to the end. But this movie was pretty muted mm-hmm. throughout, and it's kind of a longer movie. It's just under two hours, um, and I think. Uh, a uh, more typical movie this it would have cut out at least 15 to 20 minutes as reaching the and, climax and, and sped yeah it up. And, and just just not by changing anything that happens really but just in keeping up the pace like mm-hmm. ramping up the pace and um, as, things yeah, start as all the quicker as all the characters yeah. are being like the money's passing through people mm-hmm. and you're meeting like yeah in the last half hour it could have yeah, a more typical movie would have sped that all up and gotten like the intensity of everything that was happening mm-hmm. more poignant, um, but not here. Yeah, um, that's not obviously know if that was that was a great decision, but it's not too bad of a decision. Yeah, I, I I agree. Um, you definitely, I felt like you kind of lose a little bit. Um, it's a bit less. I don't know. Probably would have been more fun and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, on many levels but um you know this wasn't this was interesting uh there was no moment or scene where i'm like that was boring or that you know it, it could have done without that um one w- one thing that i was like uh down side of the movie is i was a little it's pretty convoluted and i was a little mm-hmm. confused at many points and the way that they um, give information is it's through very pointed dialogue, and um, it's not really uh, yeah, it, it's it's um, very downplayed, and so there's a lot of names of people that you really don't don't see much, mm-hmm. and um, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think. What do you think? Too like too convoluted, or convoluted enough to keep you? I, I do think like on a second watch, I, it would probably make all make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you definitely after the first watch, I felt a little confused. I'm not really sure what, or and, and there's also there was some themes that he tried to bring into it, kind of a, a larger uh, point that he was trying to make yeah, about sure. um, companies and. American capitalism and uh, about how we pollute without... And maybe Soderbergh, this has always been around with Soderbergh, but since I've been watching his movies every year, he's definitely been injecting his movies with these more, I don't want to say more blunt points, but blunter points than other, like, well-crafted movies make often. I think the big one ever you think of is, like, The Laundromat um, with Meryl Streep in it. And the ending, she's literally monologuing, like, kind of a really cringy, like, five-minute dialogue to the camera. Uh-huh. Um, this movie doesn't have that, but I feel like this does go in line with him trying to, like, 
produce these more poignant movies with like morals and stuff that says stuff about the country Mm -hmm. right now yeah and i i did enjoy actually i thought one of the strongest aspects of the movie was where that plot point led like what is the money why do people want it um what does it have to do with anything and that Mm -hmm. is slowly revealed and i was constantly asking myself that question Mm -hmm. and what it turns out to be is actually like pretty interesting yeah and like a really cool thing to craft a movie behind Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's uh, it's not your. I, I, I don't think. I think it would be a spoiler to to say anything about it, but it's definitely what the crime is about is is pretty unique and not not really anything that you see too many other crime movies be about. Um, but yeah, that's. I think we should go into spoilers. Yeah, why don't we just jump into spoilers? Okay. Um. um so yeah. I'm realizing every time I look at you, we look away yeah, from each other. It's kind of bugging me. We are looking at each other, but not uh, on the screen. It, it's we'll uh, we're looking away around. from each other. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, from here on out, well, I would say we both enjoyed the movie. How many stars would you give it before you spoil it? I, I'm like between a three and a half and a four. I, I could right probably maybe maybe in this conversation, if you have some explanations that of things that I missed maybe it would bump up to a four but yeah what do you what about you? I think I think at worst it's a super solid three and a half yeah which is still a great time and um, I could easily see someone really liking it into a four yeah and so yeah I think I'm right there with you in between yeah. the two so go see it check it out it's an easy rent I did want oh actually oh. one thing I wanted to point out mm-hmm. sorry if we're uh, I think we have time mm-hmm. we're not going over anything uh, I always say that though uh, the, the cinematography I thought was really interesting. Oh, it looked yeah. really good, um, but it was pretty weird how it was a, a an oddly used an oddly distorted lens a lot. Where it's it's almost like a I don't know a curved lens yeah. where it, was, it had some fisheye ness to it. It wasn't like the, the typical, but it didn't look like the typical fisheye. Yeah, it was like it a was like one. it was almost like the center of the frame looked like a normal frame, but mm-hmm. then like the edges fisheyed out, which is kind of how a fisheye yeah. lens The closer looks. you are to the frame on those edges, the more distorted you are. Yeah. I'm um, like, so, and it was very apparent. He made it very obvious in the opening credits mm-hmm. when he's doing these sideways tracking shots. Yeah, definitely. And you can just see the like buildings behind um, or the character s- like warp in and then yeah. get flat. And yeah. Like out. a car on the edge of frame will be like right. super skinny and then it'll yeah. like, like widen out to a normal looking car mm-hmm. and um, at the beginning i i guess i'd kind of heard how he filmed it already but at the beginning i was like wondering um like is this just a stylized opening credit sequence mm-hmm. and then it didn't really go away yeah how? i think he used the lens for the entire film yeah i think so i don't know if it was the exact same lens but yeah it, it definitely was there throughout um mm-hmm. What do you know? What the lens? Because I, I tried to look it up earlier today, and I couldn't couldn't really find anything about what the lens. Was I don't. Yeah, about. I don't know what the lens was, but it goes right along with him like experimenting with you know filming entire movies with iPhones mm-hmm. and um, stuff like that. I I feel like he just got an idea and just wanted to see if he could execute it through the yeah. whole movie. Yeah. Can I make this around. lens work yeah. for an entire? I've made movie. forty That's, movies. Like uh, I'm gonna have fun with this one with yeah. how I shoot it. Yeah. Um, and. I don't know. It, it worked enough. It wasn't. It wasn't like too goofy to where I was just like weirded out the whole time. Especially as the camera becomes more still, you notice it less. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was definitely fun and unique, and kind of had like a weird '50s vibe to it, anyways. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Now we right. could spoilers. 
stop watching now if you haven't seen it. Um, but let's go into spoiler section, Sean. Yeah. What do you got? Um, I guess so. The the big uh, you know theme that he was talking about was about how company the auto industry or the movie really was in the end was about the auto industry um, had been covering up for however many years um, the technology that they had the technology that uh, could dramatically reduce pollutants from cars it's like and an extra like is thing it the, basically the, the catalytic converter, catalytic converter. Okay. Is, I think what specifically they were Mm-hmm. You you know, the kind of and I'm guessing it would just make their cars cost more to make. Yeah, so they didn't just want to put a, it in it's there. a part that's more expensive. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. the fact that they're adding a component. Um, but yeah, so the movie was about them. Um, a study that had been done yeah. on that that was locked up in a file mm-hmm. that proved how beneficial that would be to mm-hmm. pollutants. Yeah, for them, like you know, in the country, if they put that on every cars. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's like, I don't know, that's a really cool, like, find piece of history mm-hmm. that you don't find out about till like, almost yeah. the very end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and which is kind of interesting how, the you know, the movie was set in Detroit, but, you know, mo- most, uh, especially crime movies or whatever, th- not too many are set in Detroit, I think, and uh, or at least I can't think of too many. And yeah. so it was kind of cool how that kind of came back I, guess. I don't know I could have used uh, not this any spoiler part but I could have used more Detroit I feel like, yeah definitely. I feel like his budget got in the way like he didn't have many big exterior yeah. like downtown because that would like, require like some CG some you know making it a period yeah, because it was a period piece yeah. so like anytime you are like outside around Detroit it's usually like up against a building with mm-hmm. just a small like shot or just yeah. walking into the doorway yeah um so it was very much set in Detroit, but I don't know if you necessarily got the whole yeah. aesthetics of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of looked like a city. Yeah, but the period piece timing stuff uh, worked really well. Yeah, the costumes looked mm-hmm. pretty cool, and the the cars were really cool, and um, yeah. Um, so what are what are some questions you have? Yeah, I, don't I guess know if so. Can explain. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of questions like why. So there was the the, the, um, the opening of the movie was them going in and uh, trying to get that that file out of a out of the safe in mm-hmm. General Motors or whatever headquarters, mm-hmm. and uh, but then they come back and something had gone wrong to the point where um, what's it, Kieran Culkin's character was. Mm-hmm going to kill everyone Mm -hmm. everyone and i'm not sure i understand i understood why that was why that flip was gonna yeah why that flip is gonna happen Uh, yeah i mean you can assume it's it's i and i don't know the exact answer but maybe you could assume it's something as small as to have to pay less people i don't know just that as petty as that but Mm -hmm. it is a question that you think of as it's happening and then you probably don't get answered until later. But also, and why kill the two kids and the mom and the dad over just over some money? It wasn't even that. Wasn't even money. That was like they were if they had walked out with the with the you know real papers. Um, I don't know. It was just uh, I guess 
they didn't want to leave any evidence or something but yeah, uh, yeah there are, just, there are some fundamental sh- things that really like the the movie gives you that. such little information spread out over so many characters mm-hmm. there is a lot lost in translation on yeah. the first pass through because certainly at that moment when that scene plays out you have no idea what's going on mm-hmm. um, and like I guess I think now that I'm thinking about it later on I think they do say that they just wanted to kill those two characters like the Don Cheadle and uh, Benicio del Toro because they um, they just had bounties on their heads or they like they just wanted to get rid of them for completely outside reasons okay. anyways but why the children yeah, you know, why the children, why the wife, mm-hmm. and even why the... Where did that order come from? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> yes. I have, okay. a, I have so a few other... Qu- yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, what are your what, what are some of your questions? I mean, in in the end, it got, it got a little convoluted with the money passing between so many people mm-hmm. and going back and forth. And, like, is the joke that... John Han didn't have really any alternate motives or he just I think did so. his job and walked away <laughs> like I'm not so I'm I think so I'm not quite sure about that because he gives him he he gives uh uh Matt Damon the the original th- $375,000 mm-hmm. which I thought was the, that scene was actually really great and and pretty fun he gives him the the three hundred seventy five thousand dollars that that he originally gave him, or that that he gave to Don Cheadle mm-hmm. and Benicio del Toro, and then there was an extra fifty some some amount of thousand uh, dollars that the girlfriend of Benicio del Toro, who was the hus the wife of Ray Liotta, mm-hmm. well, yeah, do we mention him in the? Um, in, oh, the, in the cast, cast. Yeah, that was crazy he's in it condition. too yeah. uh, I think that's who it was yeah. my one thing is didn't he beat her up and she had like bruises and things all over cuts all over her face makeup. I guess she just Before totally covered it yeah mm-hmm. I guess she just totally covered it yeah uh, but I, it was kind of weird because I just didn't see any of that In it, I think that's kind of harder than uh, to cover up, then they made it look in the okay. movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh god, I'm I'm already making myself. You're confused. falling. You're falling the money. Yeah, yeah. So the money. So that was an extra like fifty thousand dollars, and then on top of that, fifty more thousand that the Don Cheadle's friend gave him to pay him off so that he could take Don Cheadle um, and give like clear let him let him go mm-hmm. and he gave all that money to matt damon i'm not sure why he gave even the fifty thousand dollars the extra fifty thousand dollars but yeah i mean clearly his motives weren't that uh to be bought out or mm-hmm. yeah the, the whole time you're wondering like is i don't know is john hand gonna be just like some yeah. crooked cop yeah. that like is in on all this and gonna just take it and go mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it kind of and then like, and then it was kind of funny even like he gives him all the ex- all that money. He's like, oh yeah, and another fifty thousand dollars just kind of turned up in the <laughs> in the whole process. And then he's like, all right, well, man, uh, you want to take a bottle of whiskey? It's like some pretty bucks. good scotch. He's like, yeah, that's like eighty bucks. He's like, right. oh, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> that's where we <laughs> leave the yeah, that was kind of funny. Uh, 
Yeah. I, I really also liked one thing that's popping up to me is the um, secretary cheating sub like sub subplot that uh-huh. actually comes up over and over again um, with yeah. our main character and his wife and then a secretary back at the office. And it plays out really weird. And I love how it just ends with her going to like L.A. anyways with some yeah. other random guy from uh-huh. the office. She mm-hmm. just like shrugs her head and just like I'm yeah. fucking maybe I'm I'll see you there. You, yeah. Maybe I'll see you and your wife in LA while uh-huh. I'm living up my life there. Uh-huh. Even stuck in Detroit, this dying city. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really great subplot. Uh-huh. Definitely. And how that it's kind of revealed that that they were in on this they they are the ones that kind of created this whole mess for him. And he him like flip flopping, changing his mind mm-hmm. and uh, is the reason why, you know, all this this Everything whole thing transpired. Yeah, like two days ago, they yeah. could have they could have had this one and done as yeah. it was passing by them. Yeah, and they just yeah he his indecisiveness just slipped through her fingers. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that reveal of that scene when he was like, "Imagine me explaining this to you two, two days, days ago." Yeah, that was, was just like a yeah. really interesting way yeah. to like. Yeah, that's part part of it's like subtle. Um, comedic like comedy that this movie has. Uh-huh, it's definitely. like just the way that scene plays out. Uh-huh. Um, I think there's a lot of like slight Coen Brother esque qualities to this movie, mm-hmm. and in the, like in the comedy that every character almost seems to have throughout, even when they're doing brutal things, mm-hmm. and also the way like everyone gets swept up in this, the like large cast gets swept up in this one like batch of money mm-hmm. um, and just kind of keeps spiraling deeper and deeper out of control between characters yeah I, I kind of almost see saw a lot of those like early 90s uh, filmmakers in this movie like with its maybe um, over the top themes uh, that are kind of a little in your face at the end or, you know are made painfully obvious in the end uh, from like Spike Lee and then like a little bit of Quentin Tarantino dialogue, maybe um, a little bit of um, mm-hmm. yeah, Coen Brothers. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's some others, but yeah, I, I saw a lot of that that era of influence in this movie for sure. Yeah, um, I thought the movie didn't necessarily, and I don't know if it needed to end with like a big moment of any kind of catharsis mm-hmm. at all. Like. Um, there's not necessarily like a singular revelation or or even like singular crumble of the storyline. Yeah, like it's not like a big Coen Brothers. A Coen Brothers film usually ends in just like shit hitting the fan and everything uh-huh. going wrong at once. Yeah. I don't know. This one kind of like mellowed out yeah. more slowly. Definitely. And it, it did kind of feel like you knew where the climax or the the ending should be but then it like it didn't climax it was kind of more level Mm -hmm. in that climax and then it like had maybe two or three more or like five more scenes that just kind of tied up each character character but none of those were like really satisfying type yeah none of them were like either triumphant or too sad like because it doesn't need to be satisfying in like a triumphant way but satisfying and like someone just got like screwed the fuck over so hard it's interesting to watch um speaking of which i'm i'm a little so was the climax of the movie that that um the those papers the the knowledge of this catalytic catalytic converter uh is 
is now out in the public that they they revealed that or or did because they gave no because I think it was another fifteen years. Oh, okay. Before that, that's what the ending message thing mm-hmm. said. Okay. Yeah. So the ending of this movie is that they sell the document about the catalytic catalytic converter to uh, uh, Matt Damon, who works for the auto industry as a whole, and he was buying it back to suppress yes. that. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So it's yeah, no, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he was like he gave that speech about. Um, like not being a part of any single entity, just like running yeah. the whole show, and point. talking about how you know it's never going to be. He had a major. It's investment never going to be entire... economically feasible to install one of these in every single car. Yeah, and, and he had a big investments in the entire mm-hmm. auto industry. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he was kind of the major. And I loved how player behind that. And it's good, kind of coming back to that John Hamm scene, how he said in in that scene with Don Cheadle, like. I just, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. I spend money and then I, I go to bed or I sleep like a baby. Uh, and then like more money just shows up. Mm-hmm. I like money is endless to me. It has no value, you know, whatever that, that was pretty cool. And then like the next scene you see him in John Hamm's just bringing back the $375,000 Plus an extra thirty thousand dollars from Benicio del Toro's girlfriend, and then another fifty thousand dollars that just showed up randomly. I felt like, like I felt like that okay. speech you're talking about was uh, kind of a typical recent Sodenberg speech. Yeah. Of you know just like being maybe a little too blunt on just like evil villain. Yeah. And capitalism. Uh huh. Um, when he you know Matt Damon didn't necessarily need to say that entire like two minute monologue. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because um, we were already getting, we already un- pretty much got that before he uh, made it apparent to us. Well, I don't even know that. Like, I mean, I I had an idea of the themes. You know, I was getting a sense of the themes, but like, they're very loose. If it wasn't for that scene, I don't know if the movie would have had any kind of real theme to it. Because um, they don't really m- make it explicit. It's very below the surface, if if it's there at all. Which I mean, it is there, but um, so yeah, it's I I would I don't know if um, I would have been able to tell you what the themes mm. or the ideas he was exploring. Yeah, but I could I can think of plenty of ways to make it more tasteful. Besides oh, yeah, just yeah, being definitely, like, definitely. I can never lose money. Like, yeah, I have so much money, it will just keep showing up, uh-huh. and I don't. yeah, definitely. Anything else, or we could wrap up? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's also some like classism, uh, classist social mm-hmm. commentary um, going on. Yeah, there's the a, there's a lot well. of stuff so like some showing fifties Detroit uh-huh. and like like things that were happening to Don Cheadle throughout. Like, remember even at the beginning when they're talking about. Uh, which seat in the car to sit in uh-huh. and yeah. I think they're like even just Don Cheadle not saying no I'm not even going to get the front you have to sit here next to me uh-huh. um, I think was it John Hamm? No or, that was uh, that was, was the main Benicio dad. Del Toro oh Benicio Del Toro right. yeah he like and then wipes, it was Brendan Fraser he like wipes front. off the seat that yeah. Don Cheadle was sitting on yeah because um, it's like too dirty for him yeah yeah exactly um, but yeah there's uh yeah he didn't shy away from just showing these like little moments throughout the film mm-hmm. of what yeah. like 50s detroit could have been everyone like. constantly just kind of screwing each other over no one was no one was um playing nice 
except for the bellhop. A lot of he was uh, the he was the one reliable character, I guess. Yeah, a lot of like um, apparent fifties sexism between mm, like definitely. husbands and wives and the controlling way they talk to each other yeah. and like um, non-negotiable like this is mm-hmm. my house so you need to do this 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 now kind of stuff yeah definitely um, yeah a lot of that going on too uh, it, they they kind of like really took the 50s and nailed those aesthetics and culture and uh, yeah it, it seemed really seemed really real mm-hmm. for a low budget film yeah definitely Yeah, overall good though. Uh, it's, I think um, there's still like I, I'm still kind of confused about exactly what transpired with Don Cheadle and like how he was able to wiggle his way out of that mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah, pretty uh, convoluted. I yeah. think it was one of those movies where I just was kind of accepting some of these like plot lines as I was seeing them wrap up and not mm-hmm. necessarily like knowing exactly. Yeah, what like was let's just assume that makes sense and yeah. move on with the movie. Uh, which I'm sure it does in in um, Steven Soderbergh's head, and uh, I'm sure it all works. But uh, I'm sure it's all there. I felt like it was all there. I just didn't. It's kind of convoluted, and the way that it presents its information is a little, little slow. And um, yeah. Anyways. All right. Um, so go see No Sudden Moves on HBO Max. Or you don't even have to go see it. You can just stay and see it. You can just at stay your and see it. You don't even have to move. Mm-hmm. Um, Literally just stay in the seat that you are sitting in right now and turn it on on HBO. Next week, I believe Derek will be hosting with Sean showing uh, the movie Old, which M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan's new film. It's been a while. Um, M. Night's back. M. Night is back with a new unique Mm -hmm. storyline. So please uh, go ahead and like and subscribe on YouTube. We appreciate having you guys here listening to us. And have a good day. Yeah. Bye. Bye.